Greetings, everyone. I am Pastor Sheldon Williams, and I am the campus pastor of Fellowship 412, which is a satellite campus of Allegheny Center Alliance Church. And I am honored to be able to deliver today's message. We will continue our journey through the book of Genesis by focusing on chapter 15. If you have been following along in our journey through Genesis, you will have already been reminded of or introduced to an influential individual named Abram. His influence is memorialized within our scriptures and set firmly upon a foundation of two key components, his personal journey of faith and that of fatherhood. Both of these are handcuffed together in chapter 15. And while this chapter details elements of his personal journey of faith, it sets in motion as to why he is one of the individuals we call a forefather of our faith. Let's look at some specific verses in chapter 15 to give you a better context of today's message. I'll be reading from the New American Standard Bible version, and I'll be reading Genesis 15, 5 and 6. Then I'll drop down to verse 18. Read along as I read out today's scriptures. And he took him outside and said, now look towards the heavens and count the stars, if you are able to count them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Then he believed in the Lord and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. Now down to verse 18. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. Join your hearts with mine as I pray over today's sermon. Gracious Heavenly Father, it gives me great delight to have this opportunity to communicate your word to your people. I pray, Father, that you would allow me to be your mouthpiece, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would not only just be flowing through me, that it also be felt by those who are watching right now. Father, I yield myself to you and offer this time before you that we will satisfy what you seek to accomplish in these moments. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. For a title of today's sermon, I've titled the sermon, Covered by Covenant. For some of the adults who are watching this right now, I wanna take you back to a time, to a time when maybe you were in children's ministry, Maybe you were in vacation Bible school or maybe even attending children's Christian camp. Will you learn some of those catchy songs that if one of your kids or your grandkids or a neighborhood kid would start singing them, you would find yourself singing right along with them. The repetitiveness of some of those verses are forever stamped in our memories like indelible ink on paper. Let me draw your attention to one of those songs. It's called Father Abraham. Now, I'm sure you all may remember it, but if you don't, let me remind you of the lyrics. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. It is a simple song that repeats the verse but also adds instructions for the singer to move certain parts of their body, like the right arm, the left arm, the right foot, 
the left foot until the individual is simulating marching around boastfully proclaiming that they are a descendant of Abraham and giving God praise for being included in the family. Now, right here, I would probably make an attempt to try to sing that, but some of you will be thankful that I won't do that in this moment. So I've employed a couple of my favorite people to be able to demonstrate this song. So watch this video. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot, chin up, turn around, sit down. I'm sorry, I got a little caught up with the video that you just watched. So, but back to the sermon. I can only speculate that Abraham is smiling ear to ear as he looks down from heaven, seeing thousands of believers paying tribute to him as they sing this song. It is also reasonable to think that Abraham would be smiling every time he heard Abraham had many sons because it would have been a fulfillment of the prophecy he received directly from God. I will also speculate that there could have been, could have been a time in Abraham's life while he was here on earth that if individuals were parading around him singing this very song, he would probably view it as a mockery of him because of his current life situation. Because at this point in our study of Genesis, Abram, Abram doesn't have any children. And it might be a little disconcerting to think that anyone who is up in age, remember, he's somewhere north of 75 at this time, and doesn't even have one child, would want to hear a bunch of people singing about him having multiple descendants. How can he perceive himself as being a father to many if his current view of his situation is, I have yet to experience being a father to even one child. Now, granted, that song, song was not created until thousands and thousands of years after Abraham's death. But I contend if those words were being sung in the presence of Abram at this point in his life, it could be interpreted as teasing or taunting Abram. Something more like this. Hey, there goes Father Abraham, guess what? He has many sons. Oh, many sons has Father Abraham. I guess I'm one of them, right? You one of them? You one of them? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Give God praise for that. It would sound like that to him, somewhat of a teasing mechanism or teasing way. Yet similar words were spoken in regards to Abram. But at that time, it wasn't people who were speaking those words. It was God. And God doesn't pursue opportunities to tease or taunt us. He permits opportunities of testimony to be told by us. When God speaks, he puts things in motion. The power of his words can concurrently describe the status quo of your life while prophetically quoting future status changes in your life. 
And I'm not referring to those simulated air quote gestures that accompany things that may have been said and is meant in a su- as a subtle indicator of mockery or disbelief, especially if someone else is carrying your prophetic word. Oh, did God say this was going to happen? Oh, God said, you know what I'm talking about. Well, those are things that we do, but God does not. When he speaks, whether it be spoken of blessing or command, he means what he says, and you can make it a direct quote from him. God has no need nor desire to make a mockery of us, nor should we make a mockery of what his word says, whether it's written or spoken. When he speaks something over us, it's meant for us. And as believers, the world may mock us, whether it's our confession of being faithful followers of Jesus or living out our faith and faithful commitment to him. It's going through the good times and the bad, maybe when we are ill or when we are well, where there seems to be plenty of resources or times or particularly tough, maybe in times of civil unrest or an economic upheaval. Maybe at the times of seeking social justice or where there's division amongst all those in community. These are all opportunities where we're still supposed to uphold our faith. And we uphold our faith in all these times and the world can't understand why. Our journeys of faith become ripe opportunities for our testimony. Our God can miraculously transform elements of your life that appear destined to make a mockery of you into opportunities for ministries to be dispatched through you. Your current life's challenges do not have to be deterministic of your future outcomes. Let me say it a different way for you. Your tomorrows don't have to look like your today's. I hear an old Albertina Walker song that says something like this. Please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. And as we faithfully follow God, we are all a work in progress. We're in a work in progress state. We all probably should wear one of those signs you commonly see in construction zones if God is working on us. Let me remind you of those signs under construction, temporary inconvenience, but permanent improvement. This is where we endeavor when we journey with God. But God is the ultimate agent of change. He seeks to change our lives and can reorder elements of our lives for better outcomes. Even outcomes that we deem are impossible. We recite the scriptures with God. All things are possible, but I inquire of you, do you really believe it? Don't answer that in this moment. This is a self-check. We think all things are possible. How much do we walk in our ability of faith to confirm that? Because walking firmly in our faith shows that we do truly believe it. I purposely inserted this reminder here because quite often, Our lives as believers don't absolutely line up to what the word of the Lord may be telling us in that moment. Our faith in him is our compass 
It guides us to a better understanding of him and the things he has ordered for our lives. It doesn't stop us from generating more questions, even as we are able to receive more answers from God. We get more answers, he shows us, but we still trigger more questions. And when we say we fully trust in the Lord, it doesn't fully eliminate our desires to want to know more about his plan. And what we have learned of Abram through our study of Genesis is that he is guided by his faith and his faith has guided him to a better understanding of where God is present in his life. But right now in this moment, in Abram's moment right now, he finds himself in a place where he wants to know more about God's plan. And some of you may be wondering if I was making some mistakes regarding the pronunciation of Abram's name. You have heard me refer to him as both Abram and Abraham. Now, I want to assure you, they are indeed the same physical person. Yet Abram's spiritual journey with God will result in him receiving a change of his name. We don't read about that changed name in chapter 15. But the transformation from Abram to Abraham sets its roots in chapter 15 and begins with the covenant that God establishes with Abram. When we say we trust in God, that simply implies you know that he already has a plan. You trust that he has worked it all out. And it's no different here for Abram. God has selected Abram to play an integral role for receiving a blessing. But also, he's been selected to be a conduit for blessing the entire earth. Abram's destined to have both national and international significance. He's just having a hard time piecing portions of his prophecy together in this moment. So he makes an inquiry of God regarding that prophecy. Asking God questions about his plan for you doesn't automatically mean you are revealing your doubts. It can also mean you are revealing your desires. We see this point quite evident with Abram at the beginning of chapter 15. Abram's faith in God is not in question. Nothing about faith in God do we see a question here with Abram. And I want to go back a little bit to bring you forward to the beginning of chapter 15 to help explain this as a reminder if you've been following the study. But if it's not, take these points as to why I said what I just said. In chapter 12, Pastor Allen covered a portion of Abram's faith journey when Abram exchanged being a neighbor in a town called Ur to become a nomad looking for the land of many blessings that God had promised him. And while he was looking for this land that God had instructed him, leave your mother, your father, go to a land that I will show you, he ran smack dab into a famine. Yet he remained consistent with his faith in 
God. We see in chapter 13 where Abram experiences more God moments of faithfulness by growing in wealth and worldly possessions. He's got lots of cattle. He's got precious metals, gold and silver, so much so that he and his nephew Lot have to part ways because they need more of that space that God had promised them. He needed some more land, and so they decided that they need to separate because they're growing in their wealth. Well, chapter 14, Abram brings, Abram gets some, some, some stripes up on him here. I mean, he gets some, some, some street cred out here. Just mean he's starting to get a reputation. He's repping himself out here by defeating a group of kings who were no small opponents. These kings were formidable, formidable foes kind of hard to say together. And they presented a challenge, but by faith, he stayed with it and he was able to defeat those kings. And then we get to chapter 15. God reminds Abram that it is he, it's God who is with him and that he, God, is Abram's great reward. And what's Abram's reply right here? Here's my emphasis. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You are great. But what will you give me so that I know that I am great? Like your word has been spoken over me. When will I become great? I see the things that I have, but when will I feel like I'm great? I still don't have a child. I'm childless. This was not a display of Abram's doubt. It was a display of his deepest desire. And Abram makes a strong appeal to God to want to know God's plans for Abram's life. Because Abram's faithfulness, God entrusts him with more of those details. And it's in the midst of Abram's strongest appeal that God responds with a very strong guarantee. He establishes a covenant with him. And when covenants are established, just from our perspective, where we come to understand our covenants between two people living here on earth, when two individuals establish that covenant, there's an expectation that both parties will honor the terms of that covenant. When God establishes a covenant, It goes beyond a mere expectation. It becomes a promise. And that is just one of the things we receive from God when he establishes a covenant with his people. Let me explain a legal doctrine that some of you may know. There's a legal doctrine that's commonly known known in contractual law called the four corner rule. It simply stipulates that if two parties enter into a written agreement, they cannot use oral or implied agreements in court to contradict the terms of their written agreement. The term four corners refers to the four corners of a document. It's basically saying this. It says that only the legal parts of that contract that are within those four corners of that document And the specifics that are stated in that agreement is covered within that document, just in the four corners. God's covenants 
may not be subjected to our court proceedings or our legal principles, although I will say there's a supreme rule applied to God's covenants. But he doesn't have to bow down to a four-corner principle. But there is an element of four-core, there there's an aspect of four-core elements to making God's covenant binding between God Almighty and his people. We are responsible for one of those elements. And God himself ensures that he covers all the others. God seeks our faith in him. And through our faith in him, he covers us with his care. God responds to our faith by covering us with his covenantal care. He covers us in covenant and provides covenantal prayer. When we show our faith in God, display our faith in God, exert our faith in God, he doesn't ignore it. He responds by inviting us to draw closer to him. He does not ignore our pleas about wanting to grow closer to him. He pulls us, he draws us and says, come on, come closer to me. Never does it go deaf on the ears of God for the appeals of his people to want to draw closer to him. And he desires to be in deep relationship with us and show us how deeply he cares about us. When we show our commitment to him, we become more aware of his commitment to us. And let me describe the core elements of God's covenantal care. By faith, we establish a covenant relationship with God and he covers us with his protection. God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He gives us guarantees that he will be with us always, even until the end. He tells us to stand still and know that he is God. He protects those that he is in covenant with. By faith, we establish a covenant relationship with God and he covers our needs with his performance. God performs on our behalf, not like a circus performance, not just to attract attention. He then works on our behalf. He performs as he is able to accomplish the things that we need. God says to cast our cares upon him. He tells us that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. He assures us that our eyes have not seen, our ears have not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things God has prepared for those who love him. And he shows you through performance and relationship how much he loves us. And finally, by faith, we establish a covenant relationship with God and he covers us with his promise. And there are many scriptures I can use to remind you of his promise to us. But I think this one explains it quite well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That is God's eternal 
promise to us till Jesus Christ himself returns back to grab those who have embraced their faith in right relationship with our father. And this is a promise that we can take to the bank. It is set in stone and because Jesus himself was the chief cornerstone. And he is the one that has been established from now until eternity as the one supreme reigning king. And I started this sermon by describing aspects of Abram's life of faith in God. It was his faith in the promise that God gave him that allowed him to be righteous before God. That was stated in chapter of Genesis we reviewed today, but it is also listed in Hebrews chapter 11 as one of the forefathers of our faith. By his faith, he received the promise of God. God promised Abram a son so that God could fulfill his promise of eventually sending his only son, Jesus Christ himself, to be the sacrifice for the sin of all mankind. God's son had to assume the earthly body and he chose Abram to be the bloodline for which he would fulfill his promise. This is how Abram would be a blessing, not only to his descendants, not only to his bloodline, but to the whole world. With God, he always has a stamp that simply says, promises made, promises kept. And I open the sermon with a song, a child related type song, because that's how often how it, how it is sung. But it is one that is, can be truly applied if you are a believer. This is where believers can joyfully proclaim. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. The inheritance is not gender exclusive. It is for all of us. The promise of Jesus as the Savior is our inheritance. We have been adopted into the family of God because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And I want to ask in this moment that if you don't know Jesus as your personal savior, then I want you to have the opportunity of accepting the gift of salvation today. Jesus already stands there ready to receive you. It is a simple confession of your, of your sin and that your need for a savior. It is a two-part process that brings you right into the family of God, knowing that you have a need for a savior and that by confessing your sins to him, that you'll be received into right relationship to the one who has been sacrificed on your behalf. If that's you out there right now while you're watching, I want to walk you through that. And you can do it right there in your living room, in your kitchen. If you're listening as you're driving along, it doesn't matter when you're watching this video. It doesn't matter when the invitation has come to you. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, doesn't matter. The invitation stands out there anytime that you proclaim before the Lord that you're ready to receive salvation. This could be your moment. So if that's you, let me pray with you. And you can repeat this right after me. Father, I realize I am a sinner. And by realizing I am a sinner, I also know that I need a savior. 
And I believe that Jesus Christ is the only one who can save me from my sin. By that, I want to receive Jesus into my heart today. And I accept his sacrifice on my behalf and believe that Jesus died for my sin. So now I am saved from the penalty of sin and death. If you made that confession today, I want to invite you to reach out to Allegheny Center Alliance Church. You can do so by looking right there if you're online and you're following along in the service. We do have an online service format. People will respond to you. Go to the prayer room that they have right on there. Somebody will communicate with you. If you just go in the chat right now, somebody is standing by if you're watching this live right now in these moments. But if you're viewing this later on and you come across this sermon and you've been there and you have walked that, call the church. 412-321-4333. Call the church. Tell them that I am saved and I want the next steps. We'll have somebody ready there to help you walk along, walk alongside you, to have you better understand that. And I hope all of you have a wonderful week serving the Lord.